Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Let's circle back to the College Football National Championship to start our two here. Both teams entered last night undefeated, but only Michigan walks away 15-0 and with their first national title since 1997. Pac-12 champion Huskies got a taste of what they'll be up against next season as well with the team moving to the Big Ten. So despite the lopsided final score, head coach Kalen DeBoer believes his team proved that they belonged. I know what the score looks like, but I feel like that fine line was right there again tonight. And we weren't that far off. Um, there's not a doubt in my mind that we have a good enough football team to go up here win a national championship and uh, just got to make a play here and there, get us over the hump, and uh, it could have been a different outcome. 
All right, so the guys are standing by with Jason Fitz, who was there, who took it all in in person, who's actually, I think, still there uh, taking it all in in person. Yes, I can say Yahoo Sports football host and Fox Sports radio host Jason Fitz hanging out down in Houston. He was live on the scene last night uh, for all of that. And Jason, I actually agree with Kalen DeBoer and his assessment there. This was a close game. They responded to the early punches from Michigan in the first quarter and had this as a one-score game really until the massive swing surrounding, I think, two of the most egregious officiating calls of the entire game. But uh, still credit to Michigan. They get the job done. You were there, Jason. What was that atmosphere like in person? with these two fan bases and teams that had been hadn't been in the stage in a long time you and i have been lucky enough to cover this together for years right and uh, i never take it for granted when you're on the sideline of the national championship every year it's sort of my favorite event i was really stunned early on at the emotion you can feel from both not just the teams the fans i mean it is rare that you have what feels like truly a 50 50 split in the stadium it's rare when you see sort of that level of electric energy from everybody i think because these are two fan bases that haven't been there for so long it was you you can feel that you can feel the angst from washington fans as the game wore on you can feel the dominance from michigan fans like there was a different energy for sure in that stadium last night. Absolutely. And and as far as the Washington side, the thought process or the feeling maybe you saw or, or you felt there by things that used to work for them, right? It was Michigan overall. We all thought it was a better team, but Washington has the ability to get back in this game quickly. And they just weren't. So whether it was from their side or how good Michigan was playing defense on the other side, they seemed to be in an area they weren't used to. Yeah, but there was this moment, and I think this is, you know, Mike and I, Junior and I were texting about this at one point. Michael Penix Jr. was just a little off the entire time. And I, I can't stress that enough because if you look the end of the first drive, there's the opportunity to catch uh, Adunze in the back of the end zone. Could have been a touchdown. He misses that throw. Later in the game, uh, Adunze wide open on a deep ball that he thinks is cutting out. Adunze cuts in. He misses that. There was a throw down the sideline that it looked like he could have gotten the receiver. It, everything was just a little off for Michael Penix Jr. And that was the big difference in this game because last week, everything was spot on. Like he was hot this week. He was not. And that's a huge difference here. It feels like the first time you go to the craps table, you make a bunch of money. You say, I'm going to do this every week. Uh, the second time he goes to craps table, he's like, eh, it's not that easy. It just felt like that was what we were watching. Well, okay. You say he was off, but this is me as a former defensive player. I don't feel like you're giving him being off to he was off because of the Michigan defense, maybe enough credit. Well, I mean, look, the look at that first pass to Adunze. He climbs right past the defenders. Like he's good. He walks up the pocket. He's got the guy wide open. Like that ain't good defense. That's just Michael Penix using floating a football. The, the second one where Adunze's out there having like a nice little s'mores campfire in the back. Like he he was wide open to get to the end zone. Just, that, that, that ain't good defense. That's just I, better I, to I be lucky than too, good. To Fitz's point. And really, I think the frustration, if you're a Washington fan, is this game is, by and large, now at the end of the game, they were teeing off. You had Washington in some real adverse dropback situations. They couldn't do a lot of their normal stuff. But Michigan's defensive line was tattooing that dude to the point where he's holding his ribs. He's probably got stuff leaking out of there, for God's sake. But for the majority of that game, it was a lot of the same pressure that we saw against Texas. Like, Texas was in the backfield. Byron Murphy and Devondre Sweat were harassing him all day and he was able to step up and make the plays that he was not able to make to and make it in this game so that's why it feels like he was off but again i stress this to everybody who was you know 
accusing people of not watching Washington throughout the season just because they watched the Sugar Bowl and really liked the player like that Washington Michael Penix Jr. that showed up in the Sugar Bowl wasn't necessarily the guy that was there down in and down out for every game of the regular season and we saw a little bit of that coming back down to earth in that game and and Fitz I know for you and you were the one thing you were texting me about was your selfish interests about your beloved Las Vegas Raiders during this game <laughs> because you watch this with the eye like a lot of people do fans of the next level who want to see hey are any of these quarterbacks that people are talking about for my team actually worth it you got to see JJ McCarthy and Michael Penix Jr. both in person guys who both I think are going to be an interesting eval at the next level what was your big takeaway with those guys it's interesting because I think the biggest takeaway came at media days and the opportunities that I had to talk to both of them, right? Like Penix feels like the type of kid. And when you talk to him, I, I, I spent some good time with both of them at media days on the podium and off the podium. And when you, when you talk to Penix, he seems like the type of kid that maybe he's not as polished. Maybe he doesn't think as much about some of the questions, but he's super relatable. And you could even see his teammates just like he sort of has that vibe. Everybody goes around. And when you watch the game, you can feel that. And JJ is totally the the exact opposite. Like he is such a he's a program machine, right? But he he spent so much time talking to one of our buddies that works for the Pac-12 Network about how he just focuses on the tip of his nose and that's how he breathes and all these things. And I kept looking at it, thinking like he's just a peculiar, different dude, right? But even when you watch the game, what you saw was Michael Penix Jr. is just sort of like he's trying to figure it out. When you see JJ McCarthy, it's like robot. It's, it's it, there's a a real mechanism to the way he does everything i i don't know what to make of jj he threw the ball 10 times right like he completed 10 passes like i have no idea i asked harbaugh flat out you know he keeps telling us all that he's the next brady and he's better than brady if that's the case why don't you let him cook more and harbaugh like the professional figure skater he is danced right around that question so i still don't have an answer to it like i don't think we can evaluate jj mccarthy because i have no idea how often he actually like can he actually throw the football like to win a game i don't know he danced yeah. out of that the way that Jim Harbaugh dodged the first Gatorade cooler attempt. Did you guys see that, by the way? That great was job. jackrabbit speed on that first one. Yeah, was I was really job. impressed. Great job. But he, he, guys, got, he, got nailed, he got nailed a little bit later. He got fully engaged a little bit later. Yeah. You will appreciate the fact. This is very true behind the scenes, like inside baseball story at the beginning of media days. We're all standing right outside of Harbaugh's podium. I am up against it like I am uh, I, I actually joked that I never could have gotten that close without Michael Jr. usually he has to like but I got there early I was ready with my slew of questions Heather Dinich the true professional walks up and every professional there were like 30 of us standing around Harbaugh and and we all look at Heather and she just looks at all of us for the first question she says don't worry guys I got it because we knew she was the one that was going to ask about the future. She asked about the future, and you don't usually get a follow-up question. He danced around it. Oh no, Heather got a follow-up question, and her follow-up question—I can't even—I can't even do it justice. Was so perfectly worded on like, "Hey, Michigan's told you what they want. What have you told?" Like she did not give him an out, and that's where the big quote, "I just hope I have a future," came from. Because she boxed him into a corner. I just looked at it. And I had my little my phone out with all my questions. I was like, "None of these are Dinich worthy. None of." Them. None of them. She's a total pro. None. She, oh, oh, man. she is beast, man. Love incredible. Heather. Absolutely incredible. So let me ask you this. Next year, basically the whole Pac-12, save, save for what, Stanford and, Stanford and Cal are going to uh, the Big Ten. Who does the Big Ten struggle more with the Pac-12 style of play, or is the Pac-12 going to struggle more with the Big Ten style of play overall? 
I, I still think the Big Ten is is going to dominate the Pac-12 in ways that they're not used to. There's there's a, a size difference in some places that seems to make a big difference, right? And there's a recruiting difference that seems to make a big difference. Like, I think when we're talking, I'm talking specifically about the Ohio State, Michigan's of the world. Like, I, I think if you're Wisconsin, guess what? You are now a seventh place team year in and year out. Congratulations. Hope you like this expansion. Like, if you're Nebraska, <laughs> congratulations. You're going to be, you're, you're basically Vandy. You're going to be irrelevant and every once in a while you're going to make a football uh, a bowl game but if we're talking about like the ohio states and the michigans i just think the ohio states and the michigans are built different from speed and from size still to where and remember even washington as great as this story is it's a bunch of transfers like we we still don't know exactly kalen DeBoer how he's going to consistently do this over and over and over again i think the difference for some of the big bigs of the big 10 isn't just size and speed it's that they're a factory in being able to recruit and get transfers Mike, Mike, let me ask you, is it is it fair to say, though, that this miss just for what you and I talked about before, is this Michigan championship team an outlier because of the way they're built in the transfer portal world we live in? We talked about it. These guys had a lot of guys come back. They had a core group that grew together over the years. So is this more the exception than the rule of how it's going to be? I'll push back on actually Jason's characterization of the Washington team a little bit. There's a big, there's a strong core group of these guys that have been here since I believe the last Rose Bowl appearance or something, something near that for this Washington team that basically had seen an incredible season, a lot of the bad seasons, coaching changes in between that had stuck through this. There were a lot of guys that were holdover from the prior staff. Now, you had a couple of guys that were transfers, but like Jalen Polk's a perfect example. He transferred under a prior regime. He had been there since DeBoer stepped on campus. Michael Penix Jr. obviously came over and has the background with DeBoer, but in general, I think both of these teams in some way or a testament to it. I think we see this across the top of a lot of college football where the Georgias, the Alabamas, you know, the Michigans and Ohio States, a lot of it's still the bedrock of guys you recruit. And then the guys that you bring in in the reporter or the portal outside of maybe quarterback are like garnishes. You're filling specific needs. You're not having it be the mainstay of your diet the way a team like Ole Misses or LSU and USC had to be at the beginning when they were trying to jumpstart a program. Now, I think you're right about the styles make fights portion of this. And I think it's funny because the reason reason I think Michigan's gotten over on Ohio State lately is because Ohio State deviated from what had been the usual Big Ten prescription. Michigan won playing the most stereotypical Big Ten football I can remember. This was when conferences really used to have those staunch regional identities and Ohio State had transcended and started playing national level football where they said, we're going to play the, the beautiful game, Hoga Bonita. And Michigan said, we're going to play the game that punches you in the face. And now a team like Oregon coming in, I think is much more in line to play that style of game because of the way they've recruited and built in the trenches over the last couple administrations there but there are absolutely teams like Washington where it's going to be an interesting fit yeah and by the way you, the, the Oregon comp here, I mean, Dan Lanning, right? Like guys that come from SEC backgrounds, I think see some football yeah. differently. I, I do think that's key. The number that, that sticks out to me with DeBoer, I think there were four guys on this uh, Washington team that he was actually responsible for recruiting and bringing in. So like that to me is just when I see that, I wonder it's not, it's a very different comp, but it, it takes a little bit of chef's kiss here to make this happen year in and year out. It's the thing that doomed Mel Tucker, right? Like he went to the transfer portal and it worked once and then everything just sort of went to, you know, where for Michigan state. So I think you're sort of rolling the dice with that every year. So Jason, let me ask you this in moving forward. Harbaugh was asked it. So I'll ask you, you are a Raiders fanatic. 
Uh, the Raiders are one of a handful of teams that, and there may be more, we'll see what the Belichick situation is, that are in need of a head coach. So I'm giving you the choice, A, Antonio Pierce, B, Mark Davis money whipped Jim Harbaugh to get him there, or C, none of the above. God, that is so tough. Uh, I probably, man, I don't know. Like, I think I'm so jaded to, I got to answer your question. I'm trying to Harbaugh and tap yeah, dance around exactly. it. In that, exact, in that exact scenario, I still think I take Antonio Pierce. I, I take Antonio Pierce because I think I'm just tired of resetting in general. And I, I said this yesterday to somebody, the Raiders have gotten it wrong so many times. I don't think anybody's going to get it wrong when they get Harbaugh. I just don't know how long you get Harbaugh for. We all know that, right? So, like, there's a part of my mind that says I would love to be good for a few years, but I experienced that with the first Gruden administration, and then I had 20 years of suck after that, right? I just – there's a part of me that watches what I've seen from Antonio Pierce, and I think this guy just – like, there's a difference here. And it's not about the whole he chants Raiders thing. I don't really care about that. It's about the way the locker room has gone to him and, and really flocked to him. I think that there's something to that, you know, so maybe it's just that I'm wounded from years of bad coaching hires and years of bad quarterbacks. But at this point, I want a little stability from somebody that I think I can look at and say, I can root for this guy. The players can root for it. But I, I will give you guys this very hot take. I don't think Harbaugh's leaving. Everybody really? else thinks Harbaugh's leaving. I think he hired Tanya to go get more leverage and more money. The reports that I got here repeatedly was that he's reached out to staff to, to sort of be ready to build his professional staff. But also, he's done that three years in a row. So nobody seems to know. The, the reports I got here that the college guys on his staff are just all sort of, yeah, we're used to it. But the biggest thing to me is everybody keeps saying that he's got a 10-year deal on the table for between the 115 and $140 million, depending on who you believe. I believe that number is going to go up. I believe that number is going to get to the high end. And then all of a sudden, you got a choice. You're taking a six-year deal from the Raiders, even if you're taking a six-year deal at $15 million a year, which would be huge going rate NFL money. That's $75 million. Like, are you going to leave Ann Arbor with your 732 kids and for $150 million and then go to Vegas for half that? I, I just Because coaching contracts are fully guaranteed, I think he's going to get the biggest deal he possibly can get. And I don't think because of the number of years – Anybody will pay him more than Michigan. So I, I, I think he's leveraging all of us. Real quick, Jason, uh, if he signed a six-year deal for $15 million, that's $90 million. Not okay, 90. Just, you know, Nine. Yeah. Now, okay. I'm, just, I'm pretty yeah, not smart. I'm yeah. pretty not smart. You didn't think you were going to get mental math past my dad wrong Come like on. that, do you? Come on. Look, uh, there's Why certain things we know. We know he's going to correct me on the math. We know that his air filters are cleaner than mine. Like, there are things that we know about <laughs> senior that, that keep us all, you know. I, 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 I digress. So, 90 million. Sorry, 90 million instead of 150. I, I, it is interesting, Jason, I, I, what you laid out there. I think is going to tell us a lot about what is motivating Jim Harbaugh at this point in your, his career. Because you mentioned the fear of him not being there long. Jim Harbaugh's been at Michigan for a while now. Like, we know he did a lot of the hopping before, but it does seem like a guy who settled in here a lot more, stuck around and weathered the first time they wanted to get rid of him. And now, uh, albeit, Jason, I I'm curious from this factor. Dad and I talked about it a lot before. The sign-stealing scandal was ever-present during the discussion of the season. When you were down there, how did that factor into the discussion about Harbaugh's future and what may or may not be coming down the pipes from the NCAA? Uh, it, everybody's talking about that behind the scenes. And what's interesting 
is we have to remember two portions of it. The NCAA still hasn't ruled on the COVID recruiting violations. Remember that Michigan self-imposed four games, then three games, and the NCAA said, no, good sir, that is not enough. But we still haven't heard what they think is enough. And they haven't ruled on the sign stealing at all. I had one insider tell me they think it could be as much as a one-year suspension. But here's the thing that really hit me. Watching the Michigan kids, talking to the Michigan kids, man, it galvanized. It truly galvanized this team. And they truly don't believe they or Harbaugh have done a single thing that is wrong at all. And it's it's really made him more of a god to everybody around the program. So, like, somehow, some way. Like, and, and it hit me coming in. I sat down because of our friendship, honestly. I'm biased to these things. I sat down with the fat guys on both teams, right? I sat down with the offensive line. They were all on bleachers. I sat down with the offensive line for Washington. I asked them all sorts of disrespect questions. Nobody's paying attention. They gave me the same, like, ah, man, you know what? It's us versus us. We don't worry about anything else. We got each other. We just handle each other. I asked Michigan, it's, you know, how do you guys feel given everything that went on? And I got passionate. It is Michigan against the world. They tried to take our coach from us on a plane to Penn State. We are here to show the world that they have wronged us all the way across the world. Like, I had fat dudes that are huge that were angry at me for asking the question in Michigan. And I just think there is this moment, like, we from the outside say, oh, what's it mean? The team looked around and they said, you tried to take our king. And, like, I... I don't know if I have a God complex. I love the way that that turned me into a martyr. Did you pee your I, pants when they got mad at you? I was just going to ask. No, I didn't pee my pants, but, but you know, you guys know me well enough. I'm a little goofy, right? So my intro to these things, the more uncomfortable I am too, I'm particularly goofy. So I'm walking up to a riser full of a bunch of fat guys. I walk up to the Washington riser and I'm like, hey guys, let's do this. I want, I got a mic, you know me. And the Washington guys were all in. They huddle up there like, this is great. I walk up to the Michigan guys. I'm like, what's up, guys? I'm with Yahoo. I want to get you guys from media days. Like, they left. They literally left. Like, they just dispersed. <laughs> so I'm standing there. I'm like, no, nah, seriously. Like, can, can, can we? And I had to, like, go up to each little group and be like, can, can you guys sit down here? And would you? Like, they were not into it at all. They were not into it at all. They, they, they did not want my tomfoolery. I, I am amazed that you survived media day without getting stuffed into a locker by the Michigan offensive line. Honestly, one of your more impressive, oppressive accomplishments, Jason, everyone, you can check out all of the great content that Jason did over at Yahoo sports. You can listen to him on the weekends on Fox sports radio Fitzy travel safe. Try not to get beat up by any lineman on the way out of Houston. Okay. I need a shirt next year. This is honorary fat guy. There you go. Don't I give don't anybody a hug. Good conscience, I can give you that shirt based on your actions. <laughs> <laughs>Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself. 
myself, and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it, and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road, and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. Gojo and Golik, huge bummer coming your way, guys. Uh, John Morant done for the season. So Morant suffered a, I'm, I can't say this word, a subluxation. He did something to Subluxation. His right, sub, yep, he did something to his right shoulder during a training session on Saturday. It's going to require season-ending surgery. Morant expected to be fully recovered for the 2024-2025 season. But this, of course, guys, coming on the heels of Morant basically just returning from that 25-game suspension, you know, for conduct detrimental to the league. So with him out, the Grizzlies went 6-3. and three, or they, I'm sorry, they went 6-3 and three with him in the lineup, matching right. Memphis's win total during that entire 25-game suspension that he served to begin the season. He was averaging 25 ish points eight assists in his nine games this season so obviously as you can see from the stats here incredible boost to the Grizzlies and this is a huge blow to us who just love watching this guy play basketball it, it, it is a, a real shame uh, getting him back at this point and we were going to have all the wonders about John Morant and his progress from some of the stuff that had happened off the court for him. But on the court, we were so excited to see right. every bit of yeah. the player that we knew we were getting back, come back. Now, Jesse, you tripped over the word. My father, uh, unlike Aaron sure. Rodgers, might actually have a PhD when it comes to injuries related to the shoulder. As dad, you've got two shoulders that bear the scars to prove that. So what exactly went on here with John Morant in terms of that? Again, the subluxation means it pops in and out. You know, I, I had that happen to me um, before I had reconstructive surgery on my rotator cuff where it would just, it would slide a little more. You have to get like a harness to try and keep it in or it would slide out uh, on you. And, you know, I, I was, again, as a D lineman in a position where I couldn't raise my arm because of a brace you had on and a needle, I was able to play. When you're an elite athlete like John Morant, you know, and it's a labrum tear, it's different than, than what I had. Uh, look, obviously that needs to be repaired. Um, and, and, you know, the, the way medicine is now, uh, surgeries are now, rehab is now, we should be fine uh, coming back. The, 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 the issue is always, and at least it was for me, and if you're in a sport, when you get worked, something gets worked on, the last resort obviously is surgery. But when you get opened up and they go inside and do something, 
the normal thing is, you know, for the normal person, you hurt yourself, you get operated on, you don't do that activity anymore. You don't do that anymore. He's going to continue to play basketball like guys who get hurt continue to have surgery, continue to play football. So you get scar tissue. The scar tissue tears off. You get floaters. You get surgeries after the season. We line up in January for what we called oil changes because any surgeries you had, you had little floaters of the scar tissue. They'd suck them out with a scope and you'd be ready to go. You know, so that that's the one thing you worry about long term is you're abusing that place that got injured by going out and continuing to play that same sport. But this guy is a young stud. He's a great athlete. I mean, he's young. He's he's uh, will heal fine from this thing. It's just been an incredibly tumultuous first year of a five-year, $197 million deal. They just signed him to that. And in his first year, he gets suspended for 25 games, comes back for nine, averages, what, 28 points a game, and then, you know, has shoulder surgery. So this is, is not gone the way Memphis or John Morant has thought this thing was going to go. No, certainly not. And to the point you made about the the ever-present threat of re-injury or the complications from this, if you're weighing the positives, if you're the Grizzlies, there's enough time to where he's expected to be fully ready to go for the 2024-25 season. You can take the time and rehab this the absolute right yep. way and do this the safest way possible. And he's now the second star player they've lost. Steven Adams also lost before this right. uh, for the season due to injury as well. So the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be put on the back burner for the rest of this NBA season. Dad, the one thing that popped into my mind that I did worry about, and we always talk about this, when a player gets hurt, it's like you're on a different team. You're still in yeah. the building, but you're on a completely different cadence than the normal schedule. And it might be different for basketball where it's a more intimate roster. But my immediate concern coming off of this was, all right, what is John Morant going to do with all the added free time on his plate now? We're talking about a guy that had, I think we can label it broadly as some maturity issues in dealing with certain situations yeah. surrounding conflict. And now being back around basketball, people always sell the structure of that. But really, it's you don't have much time for anything else when you're playing as many games and have as many responsibilities as they do during the season. I do worry a little bit about John yeah. Morant and now this test of, all right, you're going to have a lot of time on your own now away from the team the one thing and you know every situation is different but for the most time part when you're suspended and I'm not gonna lie I don't know in the John Moran situation when you're suspended you're not allowed to be in the facility you know yeah. around the team and, and I do not know in this situation because sometimes you know the team or somebody will petition and say listen if especially if it's an issue outside of you know your field they will say they're suspend them fine, but they're better off being around their teammates and having that structure. And I'll say again, I don't know in the John Morant situation if he was not able to be in the building. My point is he'll be, a, be able to be around here. You're getting surgery, you're rehabbing, you'll, he'll be there every day rehabbing. So he'll be around the team and I'm sure they'll keep him around the team and have him travel with the team once he can from the surgery and be in that structure because Mike, what you said, listen, if we're saying it, they know it, right? I mean, they know that's where he's had some of his issues. So as any coach out there in any sport, in any team sport will say, you know, idle time is the devil time. You know, we do, they, they just pray they don't get that phone call, you know, when, when players aren't in the facility and that they, they act right outside of the facility but you, because you want the structure. So he'll be able to still be in that structure. But to your point, you are a ghost when you are hurt. 
when you are not part of that team, when you're not part of the, the structure on the court, but still in the building, but not on the court. So we'll see, because he has said all the right things about coming back. But as we know, you know, he's had a few incidents. So talk, uh, the, the old adage of talk is cheap is, is very true here. It's now yep. his actions will be magnified because he doesn't have, you know, those games to get ready for. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, listen, we wish him well in the recovery. Like we've all said, yeah. we were so excited to get Ja, the basketball player, oh, back. And, yeah. and we hope that next season we can get to that uninterrupted without any more of these disturbances. Jesse, we do need to probably do a quick Lakers check-in here since it's LeBron James and we're all required by law to mention anytime he says something wild. And they got off the schneid a little bit. Oh, man, the Lakers, they have a pulse, okay? So they were able to snap that four-game skid with a 106-103 win on Sunday over the Clippers, providing sort of a sigh of relief, right, for a team that's been in a bit of a tailspin lately. Now, LeBron said it still doesn't take away from the fact that we've been playing, like, the last 11, 12 games. Tonight was a good start. Hopefully we can start from here and continue to build. Not that I need to remind you guys, but L.A. is 4-10 and ten since winning the in-season tournament coming into Sunday. That, that in-season tournament slump, man. So they're hosting the Raptors tonight. But the question I want to know, is Darvin Ham's seat getting hot here? This is not, you know, a, a great look, but it's also, this kind of happens in basketball season's long, you get slumps. So what do you guys think? It, it does kind of happen, but coaches also get fired for far less, especially when yes. they're playing in and around the pressure cooker that is LeBron James' world, Dad. We saw the reports from Shams last week about that. I wouldn't be surprised if this kept, kept up because, unfortunately, NBA coaches get discarded pretty frequently outside yeah. of very few elite ones. Well, they, they do, and sometimes what do you look for toward the end of the season? You look for a change, a spark, they'll say, and will they feel if the Lakers hang where they are? Right now they're in the 10th slot by a half a game over Utah, you know, to play into to the playoffs. And two of the teams we talk about a lot, the Lakers are in the 10th slot and Golden State's outside of that in the 12th slot. So two teams that, that are struggling right now. So do you do make a change at some point to say maybe this will spark us or the change will put us in the right direction? Quick aside, Mike, you know, we wondered, and it started out poorly when James Harden, you know, pouting to try and get his way everywhere, got to the Clippers with a bunch of older players and were like, you know, what are they going to do? And they, have, they weren't doing well. Well, they are doing well. They're sitting in the four slot now, just two and a half off the top of the Western Conference at 23 and 13. So right now, those 30-something guys are getting it done. We need to form a prayer circle around this Los Angeles Clippers team to protect them from injury because we know, yeah. much like their counterparts in the Chargers in Los Angeles, that's been the boogeyman, especially over this current iteration of the roster. And I would love to see how high this thing can fly ever since Paul George and Kawhi Leonard got together and now with the addition of James Harden. That's all we leaving want. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus, 21 plus in certain states to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Joe and Golick, we are continuing our NBA talk with Draymond Green returning from his suspension. He's back, baby. The NBA reinstated Draymond on Saturday from a suspension that lasted 12 games. Here's what the league had to say. Green completed steps that demonstrated his commitment to conforming his conduct to standards expected of NBA players. He has engaged in meetings with a counselor and has met jointly on multiple occasions with representatives of the NBA, the Warriors, and the National Basketball Players Association, both of which will continue throughout the season. Guys, on the latest episode of Draymond's podcast, he talked about his his time serving the suspension and a specific convo that he had with Adam Silver. I had a conversation with Adam Silver, commissioner of our league. And I just told him, Adam, it's too much for me. Like, it's too much. Like, this is too much. It's all becoming too much for me. And I'm going to retire. And Adam said, ah, you're making a very rash decision. And I won't let you do that. I just, <laughs> I just, it's like, it is again, and we've used it many times today, but it's, we're all trying to find the guy who did this meme again. It's like, what do you mean it's all too much? You did this. And now, yeah. what, you had to have a couple meetings? Like, oh no, it's so much, it's so much. I'm going to retire. I can't sit in a room and have these meetings. Like, what is he talking about? I, I, yeah, I don't know how many people watched it, believed that that part happened with the exact tone and cadence that Draymond laid out there. I will say, Dad, I watched a fair amount uh, of his video on the volume and on his podcast and the way he talked about it because I, I was curious how he was going to frame this because I think most of us are going to look at this and say, all right, it it's amounted to a, what, about a 14-game suspension. It was labeled an indefinite suspension before that. He's back with the team ramping up to play. And most people are going to rightly look at that, kind of the way that we looked at the John Morant suspension and go, how much are you really going to change in a few right. weeks' time? And he was the first one to say that in the video is, I understand it's not done. Like, I have to keep doing this stuff and keep reframing my relationship with this. And he said, without any qualifiers, I was wrong in the way that I acted in the situation with Nurkic. I was wrong in the situation in the way I acted in the Rudy Gobert incident. So he, he came out and did take responsibility for those moments and say that he was wrong, which is about all you can ask for. Well, and, and, and oh, by the way, he did get an extension with the volume, which is uh, owned by what Colin Cowherd, you know, the, the podcast place where he, he got an extension there. So listen, that's been great. He's, he's been, you know, current players having their own podcasts is certainly the thing right now. Mike, as, as far as, and, and listen, having to talk to people or if you feel somebody has an anger problem or this, whatever problem and having them talk to somebody certainly can be a good thing. And I understand that. But I'll also say this because I know this because I know, you know, that this isn't 
this isn't the only era of if you get in trouble, you maybe have to talk to people before you have to come back. And players, while it certainly could help some players, are going to say and do whatever they need to do to get back on the court, to get back on the field, to get back on the ice. They're going to say all the right words because and then we end up saying talk is cheap, actions are louder than words, and they're going to say, you got to go to counseling. Okay, I'll go to counseling. Yes, I was wrong. I'm Oh, woe was me. I'm so sorry for that. I'm going to change. You're, and, and as I said, I don't want to completely discount it. It will help some. Some will realize they do have a problem. But to parse through that, guys want to get back on their field of play. And if they know they're not and they're not getting paid until they do this, well, then they're going to do those things the way the league wants them to be done so they can get back on the court or the ice or the field or whatever. So I have never really been a big fan of the indefinite suspension and wait till you do all you're supposed to do because players, for the most part, are going to do what they need to do as quickly as they can to get back in their field of play. So I, I'm, I'm just more of the structure of having you know you're going to you have to do this, but you know still you're going to be out for this these amount of games. Yeah, well, and I think in general you're right, and a lot of people also look at that from leagues and teams in general. And I think you know I'm pretty jaded when it comes to this stuff of saying they present a pretty low bar to clear and usually obscure yes. it. Like usually we hear about oh there are going to be certain parameters in the return to play that are necessary, the conditions that have to be met, and they talked about counseling as one of those. I think there were some group meetings done with Green's agent, the Warriors GM, some other people involved as well. In general, in a lot of these instances, Dad, we hear about the structure and the parameters and the beginning, but then we never hear specifics about it after the fact. We never hear, well, what did you actually learn through this process? And the, that's the one thing I will say for Draymond is in this video, he does talk about reframing the way he looks at someone like Kevin Durant insinuating that he needs help and how he once thought about that and, and, and you know the ways he feels like he's grown and changed over the years so I, I think you are right that in general the way these things are all framed is usually hey we're going to from the team and league side just do enough to make it look good for PR publicly and from the right. player side I'm going to appease my bosses so I can get back out there and do the thing and for Draymond he talked about this as well, and we've always said it. He's a guy who's lived on the edge, who flirts yes. with the line, and it has gotten him all of his wildest dreams in his right. entire life. And so that's going to be the real test, Dad, is will Draymond actually work in what he might believe in his heart of heart is against his best interest to be the instigator out there on the court the way he has been for this team and the dynastic run that they went through. We are going to have plenty of opportunities because this season was littered with Draymond Green stepping over that line. And now we're going to see if in the midst of a season that, oh, by the way, isn't going great. Like, it's not like he's walking back yeah. into a Golden State right. locker room where everything's hung dory and they're going to go out yep. there and blow everyone's doors off there are going to be hard days and they're going to get draymond stress test before this is all said and done i mean let, let's be honest a guy who straddles the line and, and you mentioned it and as, and as i have said love him on my team hate playing against him he's one of those guys right you'd love him as a teammate but you know and and you'd hate to play against him because of what may happen he's a line straddler and if you're a line straddler occasionally you're still going to cross the line He's going to. To think he's going to come back and never get a technical again or never do something again that may warrant another suspension is fool's gold. 
that this is the way he plays. And, and I'm not saying that in a negative way because you're all grown men who are playing this game. You have to figure out what you need to do to stay on the court and, and, and live your wildest dreams, right? And for him, it's, it's a combination of being, you know, a good player and also being that instigator, that tough guy, that, that guy that's going to get the T, that guy that's going to get suspended. That's a role that he plays, so it's not all of a sudden going to go away. The problem is it can hurt your team. But when you're a good enough player, that's sometimes things you have to accept knowing that I don't want to, I don't want to tame this guy too much or I lose what he does on the court. And you don't want to lose that from Draymond Green because that, that's, the, that's some of the power of his game. It's a, it's a tough situation to be in. It is, but everyone also understands where the lines are. Like, Draymond is not the only yes. passionate person who gets through his NBA right. career off willing himself to be better based on attitude, and plenty of those people don't kick people in the nuts or choke anyone out on the court repeatedly. So I think there's plenty of people that yep. understand, yeah, he's more than capable of playing right up to the edge but not going over because we've seen plenty of people do it in the past. I think one other interesting corollary of this is he mentioned a conversation he had with Steve Kerr where Steve Kerr came over to his house and Steve said you got to end this the right way and right now you're not and this is now the second member of the big three that we've seen associated with the conversation about the end we saw Clay Thompson pretty candid yep. about this in a press conference the other day where he mentioned kind of looking back on all he's been able to accomplish and wanting to end the right way with his attitude and energy there is a real feeling of finality yep. around this yep. Golden State core that we've seen I think we have both already said, because especially the Clay Thompson situation, that these three, this is going to be the last year they're together, and who knows if they'll even get in the playoffs. It's wild to think about. We did try and heap dirt on them a while back, and then they won a championship in our face, so you can never fully rule it out, but the vibes have seemed off around there for a while. We will see if Draymond is back and better for it once he hits the court soon. Right, guys time to finish off the show way we always do this that the third three quick stories send you off on into the rest of your day make sure you download subscribe rate review us leave us a five-star rating and check us out here live if you can 8 to 10 a.m eastern monday through friday tell people we are here we get questions all the time we appreciate everyone inquiring we are 8 to 10 a.m eastern live on the DraftKingsNetwork.com, the youtube channel samsung tv plus roku and, and soon to be more places in your mm -hmm. lap and if you miss any of that or our great guests like our buddy jason fitz college football and NFL analyst and reporter for Yahoo Sports and uh, Fox Sports Radio. You can check that out wherever you get your podcasts or available here on the YouTube right after we get done with the show. Let's get to this, guys. Uh, we had the Golden Globes going on uh, the other night, uh, and this was an interesting scene after that I think speaks to all of our sensibilities. Paul Giamatti, the star of The Holdovers, who won an award for Best Actor in a Comedy, was seen in his tux at an In-N-Out Burger in Westwood, California, with his globe on the table, slugging bur burgers and fries after leaving the Beverly Hills press room. So, Dad, I'd imagine this is more of the after party that you'd be inclined for yeah. after winning an award like this. Big Paul Giamatti fan, by the way, uh, also in Billions, a series that I've watched, and, and certainly plenty of other things. I'm a big fan of his acting. This, this is kind of, we love this, right? 
like the Stanley Cup, every player gets it for a day. Where does it end up? Where do these two trophies or awards end up? Where do you go with them? Sometimes they end up at the bottom of the pool or, you know, some great stories around them. But yeah, this would be it right here for me. I would have no problem because I'm an in and out fan uh, taking any award and going to just have a burger. Instead of going to these fancy schmancy after parties, man, go to in and out get yourself, you know, a burger, get yourself a shake, some fries, get them animal style if you so uh, choose, and just enjoy that for a nice, you know, half hour, 45 minutes. Just chill there. Yeah, well, I think In-N-Out Burger is overhyped. I appreciate the sentiment here. And I'd imagine if you're Paul Giamatti, you don't have to wait in the absurd lines that usually accompany every In-N-Out Burger trip for some ungodly reason. So congratulations. I I will say, too, what what was your response to that? I said, say, I'm amazed now. People are getting lazier and lazier because the lines out here at In-N-Out Burger for the drive-thru are massive, if you just go in and park between these lines they have as a parking spot and go in, you're out in five minutes. The line inside is nothing compared to the line outside, but nobody wants to get out of their car for five to ten minutes and go get the food and bring it back to the car. They'd rather sit in a line for a half hour. I, I don't understand it. I hope people keep doing that because it's provided a great life hack for me. True. I do that almost everywhere. I almost never yep. go through the drive through line because it's almost never faster than just getting out and going inside. I get a little bathroom trip out of it, get to stretch my legs. Yep. It's a big Boom. win. The other thing I will say about this is Golden Globe, very durable trophy, so you can do this. We're coming off the national championship in college football. I have to say the college football playoff committee should be ashamed of themselves yeah. for instituting Agreed. the trophy that they did and getting rid of the crystal ball. The crystal <laughs> ball was one of the greatest trophies in the history of sport it was beautiful it was incredibly fragile and always made me scared when people would hold it but it was a gorgeous testament to the sport and the fact that they did away with it in the name for that golden monstrosity is a farce yeah it's a horrible trophy right now horrible great meaning obviously you want to hold it uh because of the meaning behind it but yes from an aesthetic view of it what it looks like it's horrible Completely agree. Yeah, we used to be a proper country with a proper trophy for our best college football team. The Wolverines should have had the chance to hold that trophy, and instead they are given the gold. Jesse, let's get to that. Big news yesterday. We had all heard rumblings about this for a while, but Tiger Woods and Nike now officially parting ways. Yeah, after 27 years, they announced on Monday that that partnership had ended. We'd heard whispers about it. Um A statement came out. Tiger said, the days since have been filled with so many amazing moments and memories. If I started naming them, I could go on forever. Guys, hard to think of a more iconic partnership than the one between Nike and Tiger Woods. And I keep reading all these headlines that are saying, like, he hinted at a second chapter. And it's like, he didn't hint. He said, for those of you who are asking, yes, there's a second chapter. See you in L.A. So we'll see what that is. But he didn't hint at anything. He said, yeah, brother, there's a second chapter. Yeah, do we think he's doing this without something else ready to go? Yeah, come on. I mean, come on. I mean, remember, remember, he signed the richest athlete deal when he got out of Stanford, right? He signed with Nike for a reported $40 million. It was the richest endorsement deal per, per, for a professional athlete at the time, which seems like chump change now, which is true in a lot of things. The latest extension and last one he signed with them was in 2013 for $200 million over 10 years. And he'll be making money off them forever, just like Michael Jordan is. But, you know, he was wearing foot joys at, at the first tournament he played at this year. 
Uh, and remember, Nike for a while tried to make clubs, which didn't work out at all. They're great at the, the wearable, you know, the clothing. But as far as the equipment, it was it was awful. So, yeah, there's no doubt there's another chapter that's going to include millions and millions and millions of dollars for Tiger Woods. Yeah, somehow I think it's going to work out pretty well for him there. I will say I'm going to miss the commercials because that's the yeah. one thing I thought Nike always did incredibly well, yes. especially with Tiger Woods and all the accomplishments that he had was the commercials that they made about him there. And so I am nothing if not a child of capitalism, and I will miss the advertisements designed to get me <laughs> to buy more Nike stuff as this partnership ends there. We'll uh, wait and see what happens. But like we said, somehow I imagine Tiger is going to be okay. Uh, from one of the most notable athletes to Jesse, a great reminder of how anonymous helmet sports players can be some time let's get mm -hmm. to the third yeah so let's go on out to green bay emily roberts of w bay tv was doing a report on packers fans traveling to dallas for sunday's nfc wildcard game uh against the cowboys she's mid-sentence talking about how fans would bring that energy to texas and then all of a sudden jair alexander hops in the shot brings some extra energy of his own and i'm sure they'll bring that energy right to texas i'm just here to tell uh, you pack is back you heard it from a fan right here. Pack is back. Tickets to Sunday's game range from close to $200 all the way up to thousands of dollars on Ticketmaster. So we'll see what the representation looks like over in Dallas. I mean, she thought he was just an excited fan yeah. popping in. And uh, to be fair, you're the, she's in the yeah. middle of a live shot. Yes. She, like, looked over for a second. I, yeah. I wouldn't, I, I mean, of course she didn't register who it was. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, shout out to Emily for maintaining her composure yeah. and finishing the hit. People that work in local news especially are so accustomed to probably going out and setting that shot up by herself. You're basically exposed right. to whoever's yep. going to be around there. She was right out in front of Lambeau, and so you're glad there that she just saw that, absorbed it into the thing, and kept the hit moving. It just happened to be very funny for the rest of us, especially in light of the fact that Dad Jair Alexander crashing the party in places he's supposed to be has kind of been a theme for his life lately. Yeah, it cost him a game because he crashed the captain's uh, coin toss uh, a few games ago and cost him a game. Yeah, I'm not blaming her one bit. For a split second, she looks at this guy jumping into her shot, you know, and, and he says what he says. She's kind of looking at him in the camera. I don't, I don't blame her a bit. And, and this goes to show again, this is a sport where you wear helmets. And now the superstars are are noticed where they are, but for and Jair Alexander is listen. He's paid the, the richest cornerback. It's not like he isn't paid well, and he's a great player in this league. Don't get me wrong, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the big time quarterbacks or wide receivers or running backs, players like that, or big time defensive you know pass rushers or something. Really, the the super superstars that you see all the time. If it's not one of them, it's tough to be recognized, especially in a quick scenario like that, to know exactly what they look like because you know them with their helmet on. I will say, the guy has beautiful eyes. Gorgeous. I mean, yeah, like Jeff yeah. Saturday yeah, striking. I always said you yeah, could – when Jeff Saturday was at the podium during that coaching stint, I don't know how people ask a question. You can get lost in those baby blues so easy. And Jair Alexander, yeah. it's a crime that he put sunglasses on, quite frankly, out there, depriving the rest of the world of those papers. So shout-out to Emily for making that happen. Shout-out to Jair Alexander for doing it in a place that now won't get him suspended for barging right. in. 
and offering up his opinions at a spot that's outside. That's growth. We like. We talked about Draymond yeah. Green growing a little bit today. <laughs> Jair Alexander, he sat down for that one-game suspension. He looked at his actions, and he decided, I'm going to go out here and do the exact same thing. Uh, if you have learned something from the uh, suspension that is this show for the day, that wouldn't work. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating. Check us out live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Thanks so much. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.